eight red flags you are dealing with an emotionally broken man. Look, this video is for you if you just don't know, right? Like, wait, am I just making this up? Are you second guessing yourself? Are you questioning yourself, right? Like, what's going on? Who's the victim here, right? Who's the perpetrator? What's happening? Like, if you're asking yourself those questions, or if in the past you have given emotionally broken men too much of a chance, and you want to make sure this doesn't happen again, check this out. Number eight is comparison. So when a man is emotionally broken, he will actually compare himself to others. And this comes, of course, from an innate sense of insecurity inside of himself, right? So when he compares himself to other men, you know, like he's like more successful and um, this guy's more attractive, you know, and you were probably like very interested in this guy and all of these things, you know, that really shows that the nervous system on an emotional level is not secure, right? He's probably also not a secure attachment style either. He's probably more of an anxious attachment style. And so that's like, you know, he has this, if it's like, he's like very other focused, you know, um, and constantly like losing his sense of self, then you can probably think like and rest assured that, you know, you're dealing with an emotionally broken man, right? And, you know, the thing is, like, do not tip tip around, like, walk around on eggshells, right? I can't mention this and I can't mention that I went on to breakfast uh, with my colleagues, where there were also men or whatever, right? Like, no, don't do any of that, right? Because that's, um, that's just, that's just going to hurt the relationship even more. But rather, like, continue to express yourself. And if he moves through those emotions, he moves through those emotions. And eventually, if the relationship falls apart, because... You're not his savior, this rescue, and we're going to talk more about that. Then you're going to start actually attracting a man who is emotionally secure or healed at some level. Number seven is sarcasm. Now, this is really interesting because you can uncover that very early on when you, for example, online date. And oftentimes men even use sarcasm already in their profile or, of course, in their first messages, their first conversations. So very easy to spot. However, what oftentimes happens, especially if you are more the anxious attachment style, right? What happens is that you can be like, oh, he made a joke, ha, 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 because unconsciously you want to be liked, right? You want to unconsciously get his approval, right? And so because of that, you totally miss the point that he uses humor to deflect his emotions, right? Like he uses humor to actually distance himself from his emotions because he's actually emotionally broken. He is actually afraid, right? And you know, I had a guy that I dated back in the day, gosh, when I was like 21, um, and he was constantly sarcastic, right? And of course, I was more in my anxious attachment style working model. So I didn't necessarily see it right away. I was working more on, you know, him liking me, you know, me not losing him, all those things. Um, and eventually he also became condescending and so on. We're going to go into that. And so that's when I drew the line, right? But I was already, it was already visible by the sarcasm. You know what I mean? Like, and now looking back, he's like a total emotionally unavailable guy, right? He lost his mom when he was 18, which was just like a couple of years prior and stuff like that. So like, there's like so many pieces that you can connect backwards, where you can connect the dots backwards, right? If you now think through the men who were using sarcasm. 
Number six, and this goes a little bit into what I just talked about. He belittles you. Now, this goes like a little bit another step further because now we're talking about making yourself better by making the other person feel worse, right? So there is sort of like this, you know what I mean? I'm only going to feel better. I'm going to make myself feel superior so you feel inferior. Now, needless to say, I don't know if I need to say that, but obviously that is abusive, right? That is absolutely disrespectful, right? This deserves complete boundaries. And I don't care if you had a broken home, if you had an emotionally unavailable parent, if you had an alcoholic parent, whatever the case may be, nothing justifies him disrespecting you at such a level, right? Because it's always about you treating yourself how you would treat your best friend. So if your best friend were to come to you and would tell you, you know, this guy, or even better, like they come over together and you just watch him belittling her, like what would you tell her, right? Would you be like, oh yeah, this is a great guy. Why don't you get married to him? Or do you actually say, girlfriend, let's, you know, let's have a, let's have a girl's night. Let's have a chat about the future of this relationship, right? Because you're taking the way shorter straw here. Um, and he's, he's, he's not like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way you can feel safe and secure with him, you know, even though that probably means that he got belittled in his childhood, that he probably got abused at some way, shape or form, something happened, right? But again, you're not his savior, right? You're not his hero, so to say. Number five is he is always the victim, Right. So no matter how the story goes, you know, he got into a car accident and it wasn't his fault. And this mean neighbor and this like super disrespectful coworker, you know, and everybody was just like on him and, you know, and it's just not fair. Right. So he's like always the victim. And you're like, wait a minute. He's always the victim. Like, wait a minute. So he's the only one who's like the common denominator in all those stories. Like in all those different settings, right? Like with his friends, with his co-workers, like everywhere, right? Like, you know, with strangers, you know what I mean? Um, at his gym. And he's like always like, what's happening there? And so here's one thing that that's for good to know for you for this one. It's when you have a partner who has sort of like this victim mentality. That means one of the things is that he gets attention by being a victim, right? He gets like, oh, poor Mark, you know, let me help you out, right? Like, oh, you know, mommy's going to come and rescue you, all those things, right? So he gives his power away. However, what you really want to do in this particular instance is not cater to the victim part, but rather say, you got it. You got to figure it out. You go, you know what I mean? You have this part inside of you that can conquer mountains and so on, right? So you only want to talk to the powerful part inside of them, rather talking to that victim part inside of them. Now, this is particularly important when you're even dealing with a narcissist. Oftentimes, covert narcissists are using that technique of being sort of the victim, right? And it's never their fault. But they're doing that by for wheeling you in. But the technique doesn't work if you speak into that powerful part of them because now they don't get your attention anymore, right? They don't get your resources anymore, right? You're just saying, hey, you got it. You know what I mean? 
You got this figured out. I believe in you. You know, and then there's, of course, they won't be that interested anymore. Now, this is one of my favorites. Number four, the wounded animal syndrome. So this goes back a few years. My goodness. I mean, this is going back like, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years, something like that. And I was starting to date this guy. I was like considering it, right? And, but I was like, mm, I don't know. You know, he's like, he doesn't really trust himself. Like there's something inside of him where he doesn't really feel good enough. But then he wants to compensate for it. And he doesn't want me to see that. And I don't know. It was just really unattractive, right? So one night I just like was taking myself out on a date, which by the way, Ladies, I live recommend it. It's so fun. And um, I was going to the movies, right? And so next to the movies was a Starbucks. And I'm like, hey, I have an idea, right? So why don't I just meet this guy? And just, I'm just being really honest with him. Because for me, it was always like, I want to treat other people the way I want to be treated. And so because of that, I said, you know what? Like, I would want the man to be honest with me, right? So I was honest with him. And then... You know, I'm just like said that I was not really that attracted to him. And, you know, and he said, well, you said like you've never had a boyfriend, right? Like, have you, you know, like, are you, you know, seeking help? You know, are you getting a counselor? Are you in psychology? Uh, like, like, do you have a psychologist who's like all those things? So it was already sort of like this condescension of wounded animals. And that was already starting to come out, right? But ladies, wait, it gets better. So then I get home and as I make myself a yummy tea, uh, by the way, I love peppermint with almond milk and all the things. So I'm just sipping that and I'm so joyful because I feel like I just had this, saw this great movie and I was true to myself and I ended it with a guy that, that was not in alignment with me. I got this bombardation of text messages, right? And he was like just telling me like, you know, um, <clears throat> you're like... And five out of a 10. And you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I could do like way better than you. You know, normally I date like 10 out of 10 and you could, you're like the lucky one and all those things. And so we call that the wounded animal syndrome, right? Because what that really is, is a shame shield, a shame shield. Okay. This is really awesome because that really sees like, okay, if you have healed that part inside of you, meaning like you're not going to attack him back, right? You're also not going to feel the need to belittle him, but you'd rather see, wow, he just feels so much shame inside of himself that he got, that, you know, that he got, quote unquote, rejected, right? Um, although I, I just call it redirected because I, I made him, like, he can now meet other women, right? But instead, he was like, just, you know, just really like felt embarrassed, right? And he, again, because this whole sense that I've told you about, this suppression, this insecurity that I felt is not good enoughness, but where he was inauthentic about it, that was coming out. So if he has that also, of course, you can't trust him at all with that, right? Because it, that will never work because when they feel insecure, they will lash out. That's the shame shield of attack, right? And this is like absolutely a no-no there's absolute zero, like there's boundaries. I didn't even respond. I totally ignored the messages. I just ignored them. I, I mean, I read them to my girlfriend and then I deleted them because there was like no point, right? So if that, like, it's also like a very immature man, right? Like who has to get, get back at you. Number three is the high chair tyrant. So now this is really fun because when I met my husband, he actually told me he was already a coach. And he talked about those archetypes that he had developed, like masculine archetypes. And he had um, developed 
Uh, one archetype is like the, the little boy, which is, of course, pretty known. But the shadow version of that is the high chair tyrant. So the little boy in its purity, right, is like playful and creative and like spontaneous and like, you know what I mean, adventurous, all those things. But the high chair tyrant is saying, you know, I know I'm cute, right? And I'm going to use that for my advantage. So when you think about a high chair tyrant, I want you to think about like a knife and a spoon, you know, I want food, I want more ice cream, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm turning your life into a living hell if I don't get what I want, right? So that's like sort of like this, like throwing a temper tantrum, for example, right? And it's like, like what, what just happened? Like, what is going on? You know what I mean? And you really feel like you're dealing like with a little boy, right? So your intuition doesn't mislead you there. It's called a high chair tyrant, highly manipulative part uh, of the uh, that of the shadow masculine by the way so when that occurs same thing it's like dude get back into your king and then we can talk right you know like a queen doesn't interact with a high chair tyrant right she's like she's gonna set boundaries so if you were a queen mom of a high chair tyrant right you set boundaries you just keep doing your thing. You ignore the behavior, right? You give it zero attention. And that's what you also learn if any of you are in like childhood education, things like that, your moms, you've read lots of books, right? What do we learn? If we want to eradicate a behavior in a child, the recommendation is that you ignore it because most of the time, the high chair tyrant will use this behavior to get attention. So if you're like, I'm not... You know what I mean? I'm not entertaining. So you're not reaching me at all. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I'm really questioning if this is like the right relationship here, right? Number two is extreme emotions. I should have put extreme in bold letters. Emotions themselves are great. Look, I was actually completely emotionally suppressed when I started dating. I mean, I didn't cry. I also was never angry, right? I was just completely numb. And so as the years went on, I did my healing, I did my coaching, right? I went to UC Berkeley, all of the things, right? I learned to heal my attachment style, my emotions came online, all those things, right? That was suppressed. And then, of course, I tracked my husband and he expressed his emotions. So it's not about like that they're expressing their anger, by the way, without targeting. So there's no attack or extreme sadness, right? So you really want to make sure, okay, hold on a second. What you want to look for is, does this man have a certain level of stability inside of his nervous system? Okay, so what that means is it gives you sort of the sense of that he has capacity. It almost feels like this tree that has sort of roots, right? And if you don't feel like that this man has like really those roots, like deep, deep roots, right? Where the like a, like a level you know, whatever, uh, hurricane level, whatever the levels are, um, that, you know, comes and the tree's still not going to bend, right? That's what I'm talking about, the roots. And then he can go into anger and he goes into sadness. But he comes back to his secure, grounded, aligned, connected part. That's fine, right? We're talking about when he swings, he's like super abrasive, super aggressive, right? 
And same for women too. You know what I mean? And there's no responsibility. It's just like super extreme. And then there's no acknowledgement for that. Or maybe there is acknowledgement for that, but it's just an apology, right? And he can't hold himself in that space. Or if there's just a total collapse and you just have to like basically, you know, soothe him for like hours and hours or days and days, right? If that happens on the regular and he's not able to regulate himself in one way, shape, or form, chances are that he is emotionally broken. It can be extremely exhausting for a woman or also for a man, right? Like if you swing like a pendulum swing. I'm not talking about moving an energy through, like a couple minutes, just moving energy through without a, like without attack, right? Because the truth is, when we are embodied beings, we all have all emotions inside of ourselves, right? So when I did all my somatic healing work, when I got trained, so much rage, so much sadness that I saw in the people that were in my program, the people that I healed, myself, right? So we have that suppressed anger, that support, suppressed rage, suppressed sadness, wherever, whatever got suppressed. We have it inside of our body and it has to be liberated for us to come fully into alignment, right? For us to truly trust ourselves, trust our power, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about if there's like literally it just swings and there's no warning and there's no responsibility and there's no container. So I'll give you an example. And this is coming from my, from myself, right? So when I met my husband, I said, you know what? Like, I'm just going to do my expression session, I call it, right? And um, I screamed. And that's what I teach my women in the program, you know? So I'm just, like, doing my expression session. But it's very conscious. There's a container around it. I know where I'm going. I know how I'm going to release it. And then I come back. And I feel so much more embodied and so much more. I feel so much better, right? I feel so much more relieved. Or let's say, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I had this like extreme like activation, I would call it, right? Where I just like knew I had to do something and it broke up so much like grief inside of me. So I just like laid on the floor and cried, but it was in a container. So when my husband came in, right, he's like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just moving stuff through, right? And so that's the other piece too. When you're in that emotion, when you have that ground, and I teach my women how to do that, you can only do that if you don't judge your emotions. I could actually shift into my inner adult in that moment, say, hey, yeah, totally fine. I'm just processing something right now. I don't know exactly what it is, but my body wants to move this grief and the sadness so that I can graduate to the next emotion that wants to be expressed, okay? So this is really important to understand. So I'm not talking about... Um, you know, crazy and all those things, right? Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about honoring all of the emotions inside of yourself. And sometimes can be extremely uncomfortable because maybe the, there was no emotional safety in your household. So maybe nobody was expressing their emotions and it was all brushed under the carpet, okay? So again, extreme emotions, that's like something to pay attention to, right? If that's the case. And again, I'm not talking about if you have ground and express your emotions because that's great. That's part of the archetypes. And number one is addictions, right? If you notice, you know what? There's this part inside of 
my partner, like who constantly has to sort of escape sort of like some reality, right? Because it doesn't really matter if they have like an, an exercise addiction, which by the way, that used to be me, you know, I, how I was uh, dealing with my anxious attachments that was just like exercising in a gym for hours and hours until I finally had an injury, right? So, you know, that's the thing. At some point, the body gives, and this was actually a good thing, um, you know, swimming for hours and, bike, you know, all the things. But it can be porn addiction. It can be sex addiction. It can be video game addiction, uh, food addiction. It can be just any addiction under the planet, right? But is there any addiction that means, you know, I'm out of control somewhere, right? I'm somewhere not taking responsibility. I'm somewhere don't want to take responsibility. And I want to disappear. I just want to disappear. I just don't want to deal with this stuff, right? So there is a sort of escape. So when you encounter that, that's also because there's actually emotional brokenness underneath because it's really saying that facing reality is too painful. So I rather just like go into my addiction land, right? And that way I feel this like, uh, this, this, uh, this spontaneous connection to joy, to pleasure. It's very short term, short lived, right? But I have that because I don't want to deal with the suppressed emotions. Okay. So let me know if you have any questions around that, but very powerful work to also focus on for yourself as well. Um, if you found yourself in any of those categories, because I have to say, um, occasionally I was the victim. You know what I mean? Or occasionally, accidentally, accidentally, I even belittled my husband once at like a networking event. I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it, right? It's because I watched it from my dad. So, you know, just you'll find yourself somewhere as well. You want to be just honest with yourself. Um, but again, uh, those are the red flags that you are dealing with an emotionally broken man. Now, if you haven't done so already, take our free love quiz to get the man the relationship you desire fast by hopping over to getlovequiz.com or click the link in the description in the comments below. Lots of love to you, ladies, and I will talk to you in the next video. Bye-bye.